Welcome to Unity Unmuted, a conversation today about work from home and how that relates to unions and working in general. I'm Amanda Wade. I work in the registrar's office and many of our functions were already electronic. Uh, So when we started working from home, it was a really good push to innovate even more uh, and to become sort of the registrar's office of the future as quickly as possible. And we're still working on that. And I, I love the innovation that came out of working in the pandemic. I'm Karina Figueroa. So I work in the instructional technology group at Emerson. We're the folks that do Canvas support. We're previously working with faculty to do online courses, um, a small number of faculty. And then obviously when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, it was all the faculty. It was a shift, but we already had pretty good team infrastructure for keeping track of everything we were doing digitally wasn't a huge adjustment for us to to switch to remote work. And Emily. I'm Emily Belanger and I'm the School of the Arts Librarian on the Boston Campus Library. My department of teaching, learning, and assessment in the library already also had a structure that's conducive to just sort of managing schedules of each employee independently because we Uh, consult with faculty, sort of on faculty schedules. In their address to the college, uh, the president of Emerson at the time, Lee Pelton, said that if we come out of this pandemic doing the same things we did before the pandemic, we should consider that a failure. And I stood up and clapped alone in my apartment uh, watching that because that is the kind of leadership that uh, Emerson needed. And that I think a lot of places in the country needed. Uh, So Karina, can you talk a little bit about some of the innovation that came out of your area during the pandemic? Previously, most of the work that ITG did was in-person trainings, in-person one-on-ones and troubleshooting. As it hit, we started to shift to online. So we did in the weeks leading up to going um, fully remote have uh, increased hours where we were like, come learn how to use Canvas. Canvas is our college um, learning management system. So that's uh, faculty can put um, reading materials up there, their syllabus. If they want to take advantage of everything that Canvas offers, they can also build a grade book. They can build assignments and do all their grading online. How do we take this paper syllabus that you've used for 40 years, and then find a way to put that into a digital format um, and to reassess your assessments and be like, how can you do the same learning objective? How do we take that and we move it into a digital format for you? So pretty much in March of 2020, we went from like, you know, like standard blips of tickets and then like up to like 2000 tickets a day or something like that. Like it was a very significant jump. We actually grew pretty uh, quickly during the pandemic. We hired a few new folks, some temp staff who then left, um, some who we still have permanently. But it was a lot of trying to figure out how how to support everyone and how to reach everyone and share what we already knew. Did you find that working from home during that time was more helpful? That changed how you approached things or felt about it anyway? We definitely started shifting more towards Zoom support. So usually we would have faculty come in, we would sit them with them in the conference room or at our desks, and we would be like, let's look at the computer screen together. Or we would have, you know, the phone line. And those were the two main ways uh, that folks would contact us, sometimes email, sometimes email and phone exchanges would become in person. All of that went towards Zoom. 
I personally find working from home uh, much more conducive to how I think and operate as a human being. I always feel guilty saying it, but this has been a great past like year or so for me personally and with my mental health of just being like, I operate better at home and through Zoom screen and being and, um, you know, screen sharing works really well, I find for for teaching faculty or being like, show me, show me where you are. Show me what you're clicking on. We can do that just as easily, I would say, over Zoom as we used to do just looking at the same computer together. In my department, I think we try to be innovating all the time in the work that we do, but in some ways it felt a little bit seamless to sort of transition to the pandemic work from home situation. Just a big shout out to those offices that did the work that let us ramp up so quickly. Uh, projects that had been talked about for years were suddenly being done in like two months. Creation of the Emerson community. That is a big argument for everyone coming back as to recreate this Emerson community. And what does that look like? And do you think that an in-person presence from staff specifically plays into that? push an idea for bringing back the Emerson community or like we need to have the Emerson community and that's a reason to come back in person ignores a large part of the community uh, for which that vision of community does not work. Whether that's folks who physically cannot be accommodated in certain spaces, anyone who functions better in a digital sphere is being left out of that communication and that sort of idea of community. Uh, I know I personally have a lot of social anxieties. Um, I have a lot of sensory issues as far as, um, you know, if there's somebody with strong perfume or cologne in my area, I will be physically ill for hours after they leave. And also, you know, less serious, but, um, you know, my dietary choices, um, as I'm sure Emily knows, uh, we're both vegan. Um, so the idea of community that's usually posted um, when people talk like this is like, you know, going to a place together and eating food. And I'm just like, yes, but. Or we've got uh, folks who are like, well, let's uh, let's go out for lunch. But since you're the one with the dietary restrictions, you should you look pick. up the places. Um, do the emotional labor of finding a restaurant that everyone will like. I was doing some research and I'd heard this anecdotally on Twitter, but people of color, specifically black workers in several surveys have reported a much higher satisfaction working from home, specifically because it's an escape from microaggressions and outright discrimination that they feel and a break from code switching. I know everyone code switches at work. The professionalism is a very white male concept. And yeah. so anyone not white male is code switching. But of course, you get into the layers of privilege and marginalization, it gets even worse. And so a big thing for me with work from home is that diversity, equity and inclusion piece. And I think that that's a part of it that gets missed by management so often is how much removing barriers for doing the work in the best way that you're able to is going to automatically promote diversity. It's going to automatically promote equity. It's going to automatically promote inclusion. When we were talking about the fall academic affairs, which is the most of our workers are under that unit, decided unilaterally everyone was coming back nine to five, Monday through Friday. And the union uh, at Emerson uh, argued against that for academic affairs. Every other unit on campus was 
working on a plan that made sense for those particular jobs. And we argued that we should be doing that same thing and that it should be between managers and their employees what worked best for their areas. Because, of course, we know what works best for for what work needs to be done. And so the union pushed back and we got the vice president at the time, she's leaving soon, to agree that we should do the same thing that everyone else was doing and that that process, which was actually developed by HR uh, in consultation with the union, that was a big win for our union. And the only reason we got that is because of the union, because the managers were themselves worried about losing their jobs or getting in trouble for advocating for their own areas, much less themselves. My issue with that one-size-fits-all approach was exactly that it's not taking into account all of these other things that make working from home for so many better. There's also science showing that people who commute any distance have a lower reported happiness than people who don't. But any amount of commuting is correlated to uh, high blood sugar, higher cholesterol. This is a a study from the uh, American Journal of Preventative Medicine, which is peer-reviewed. A higher tendency toward depression, anxiety, and social isolation. Not taking that into account, creating barriers for people who have disabilities. That's the sort of thing that bugged me. Community building strategies are nuanced and challenging no matter what the venue is. So acting like bringing everyone back to campus is the way to create a community that's inclusive is is as silly as thinking there's one strategy for building community online. It's nuanced and if you want to be inclusive you do have to think about you know why exactly getting everyone in the same building for eight hours a day is going to magically create a community, right? It's a huge missed opportunity after this big push to innovate to sort of get through the pandemic and learn how to make new strategies work to say, okay, but we don't know how to answer the inclusion and equity question with a fully remote staff. So let's bring everybody back all the time. It's not easy no matter which way you do it to create real community at Emerson, but You can't create community just by having people in the same place and saying, good luck to those who are experiencing microaggressions every day. Good luck to people who are in workspaces that don't suit them, you know, neurologically or physically or emotionally or socially. Try to find what builds community in those shared spaces by accident or through additional labor. Staff morale is also a big part of community. And if you have people who know that they work better from home and you're having them come in, uh, they're not going to be happy. And people who are not happy are not great creative problem solvers. I I was luckily, you know, for all luckily, quote unquote, but, um, you know, for all of the uh, demands on therapy during the pandemic, I had luckily gotten myself back in with my talk therapist. Um or with a new talk therapist uh, early in the pandemic to be like, let me establish this contact. So I had already years ago been diagnosed with um, with general anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, this was just, I had a regular appointment and I was like, let me talk to you about this thing. And, uh, and she was just like, well, maybe before you quit your job without a plan, let's talk about ADA accommodation. <laughs> 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 um, 
but but yes i would have quit emerson because of the breakdown that i got from being told that everyone had to have a one a one-size-fits-all solution right and that breakdown would not have been considered uh, an argument from working from home if if you didn't have those that documentation from your therapist like that wouldn't have been enough and i was also fortunate in that i have the resources the big reason really behind policies like this one size fits all policies like this whether it's you know everyone comes to work no matter what or no one can take vacation time during this period of time things like that it's all because they want to create policies so that managers don't have to manage. Everyone has the same rules. It's sort of akin to punishing the whole class. And we all have bosses who, who should be managing us. And having the union there really is the only reason we were able to get any sort of agreement. I will also say that as far as like managers, to be fair to a lot of managers at Emerson, a lot of the times it's like, you've been here a long time. You know this topic. You are now you know, a manager, here's a staff member, but there's no additional training that goes with it. So a lot of these policies either come from, you know, needing some sort of standard set of rules to be to give folks who don't have manager training a way to be like, this is what you're supposed to do. On the other side of it, it restricts folks who normally would have a good instinct for management. Absolutely. Policy replaces management training. We have lost a lot of staff members in the past few months. It's hitting us now. And if the institution continues to not have a strong, hard uh, support for, for better work-life balance, more flexible work working conditions, we're going to lose more people. I was able to personally use my resources to get an ADA accommodation. I have to try that again for the spring semester. If you want to keep talent, um, that you already have, you have to make flexibility the default instead of putting up barriers, tying it back to that community question, like how do you get diversity, equity, and inclusion? It's not putting up more barriers to working at Emerson. Thinking of all the amazing student activism for inclusion around issues of race and justice and also the amazing access advocacy project, it would be strange for the college to be devoting so many resources increasing inclusion and equity and social justice on the campus and to not apply that same framework for thinking about building our staff community. But if we wanted to focus on students, since students are the ones that are making these big pushes for, you know, um, access, for equity, for inclusion, uh, what we hear from students and from staff members a lot is, especially for students of color, there's not a good support system necessarily. And what they wind up doing is relying on staff members. So if we are in a situation where the administration is pushing out staff members of color, they're pushing out the mentors that the students are relying on. They are pushing out you know, ideal like, oh, this person made it for from first generation students. They're pushing out the like, how do I deal with these microaggressions on campus um, from students who are looking for that support from another adult that they cannot find elsewhere than in the staff. Supporting the staff is not just supporting the staff, it's also supporting student welfare. A lot of that work is unpaid labor. Uh, and we should obviously be addressing that situation by not putting that work on staff of color. But the reality of the situation we're in now is that that is the support system for students of color, is 
staff members of color that they can look up to. And we need to be preserving that support system while we work towards building a better support system. It all comes back to really control and looking at attendance as the only marker for performance. And so all of these issues are really interconnected and not allowing people to work from home is like a shortcut to be like, look, they're doing work. I could be doing anything in my office just as well as I could be doing anything from home. You would notice if my work was not getting done though, or you should, your manager should notice if if a work's not getting done. So I think it all comes down to that control and the creating barriers is an unconsidered side effect, which is so often the case with issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. They're just not thinking of that as the primary goal. Having everyone, pushing everyone who would feel more comfortable working from home to come back into the office, in my experience of talking to folks, I'm sure there was a large spike in people commuting alone in cars into the city who previously would have been you know, taking public transportation. So any gains that we made during the pandemic of folks staying home are put in jeopardy of forcing more people in cars. Thinking about transforming the workforce, I feel like is an opportunity for any institution to think about why do we care about the changing planet? Who are the people who will benefit most urgently from us having concern about the planet itself. And the people who will benefit are the people who've always been harmed the most by old-fashioned and harmful ways of interacting with the planet. And so I feel like it dovetails really nicely with our goals as an institution around equity and human beings, because we're all as humans living on the planet. And I think that workers are realizing their time is worth something to them. Our time is not for sale in many ways. Being in a union, I feel so much support in making those human-based arguments to management because it's not all about what I do for the institution. It's also about what I bring to the institution and how I need to be a whole person in order to do those things and to do that work well. Centering humanity in worker conversations is not a thing that comes naturally to institutions. And that's why unions, which are just made up of people, in my opinion, are the best way to do that. So thank you both for coming uh, and having, well, coming into the Zoom and having this conversation with us today. And uh, I hope you have a lovely day working from home. Thank you. Thanks all. Take care. Thank you for listening. We hope you will join us for future episodes as we continue to explore what it means to come together for the common good. Unity Unmuted is a loud, proud production of the Emerson Staff Union. Original music by Half-Hearted Attack. Research from Diana Potter and Dan Crocker. Producers and editors are Audrey Park and Rachel Levin. Homa Sarabi keeps us all together. And I'm your host, Amanda Williams.